one of the most important aspects of wisdom is realizing the relationship between klalim, principles, concepts, and pratim, the details, the applications. As Ramchal explains in the beginning of Derech Hashem, as well as in the Das Tfunos, where he quotes the famous Sifri, that when it comes to Torah and wisdom in general, you always want to be going after Klalim, the main principles. And then you want to see how it applies to all the details in the applications. I'll give you an example. A seed would be a klal, a principle. It would then express itself into a tree with thousands of different branches and leaves. All of the branches and leaves stem from the seed. You look at a human being, and you see a complex organism. But all of that stems to a single zygote, half of a male, half of a female genetic code. If you want to understand the full expression, you want to go back to the root. So what we've been doing in every single shear is trying to delve into the depths of principles, concepts, ideas. And then seeing how those ideas, those concepts, express themselves throughout all the Balei Machshava, throughout Gemaras, etc. Now, what we're going to try to do today is, in addition to building a new concept, a new idea, we're going to try to see how that concept idea connects to a lot of the other concepts we've already built and see a lot of applications of the principles we've been discussing. So the principle I'd like to discuss today is the concept of kavod. What is the nature of kavod? What does it mean to give honor, to give respect to someone? And why is it that someone who wants kavod never gets it? There's a famous Mishnah in Pirkei Avos that says that only one who runs away from kavod will get kavod. But one who wants kavod will never get kavod. What does that mean? Is it practical that someone who wants kavod just can't get kavod? Or is it fundamental that the very fact that he wants it is the reason that he can't get kavod? What does it mean that when you want kavod, you can't get it? And when we're trying to understand kavod, it's very important to ask another question. What do we mean when we say the kavod of Hashem? What, do, what does Hashem's kavod actually mean? We say it all the time. For example, in davening. In the beginning of Shema, we say, Baruch Shem Kivod, Machus Ba'ed. Baruch Kivod, Hashem Mim Kamo. What is Kavod? What does Hashem's Kavod refer to? And to take it a step further, why do we always connect Hashem's Kavod to Hashem's Malchus? What does Hashem's Malchus have to do with Hashem's Kavod? For example, in the Pasuk we just said, Baruch Shem Kivod, Machus Ba'ed. Why are we connecting Kivod to Malchuso? What do the two have to do with each other? And the last question is, why does Hashem want kavod? For example, there's a famous Maimer Chazal that everything that Hashem created was for his kavod. Hakol bara Everything Hashem created was for his kavod. Now, what does that mean? Doesn't it seem selfish that everything Hashem created was so that we would give him kavod? But to take it a step further, the question is a non-starter. Because the Ramchal explains in Mitzlil Shasharim, in the 19th parak, when he's discussing Hasidus, that Hashem doesn't need our kavod. That, Hash- that our kavod is not important or significant to Hashem at all. So what's going on? Did Hashem create everything for his kavod? Which makes it seem like he needs and wants our kavod. Or, like the Ramchal says, Hashem doesn't need our kavod at all. Which one is it? So to just briefly go over the five questions we asked. Number one, what's the nature of kavod? 
Number two, why does the Mishnah in Perkei say that anyone who wants covered will never get it? Number three, what do we mean when we refer to the covered of Hashem? Number four, why do we always connect Hashem's Malchus to Hashem's Kavod? What's the nature of Malchus and why is it always related and connected to Hashem's Kavod? And the last question is why does Hashem want Kavod? But then there's a question on this famous concept because the Ramchal says it's not true. That Hashem doesn't need our kavod. So what is it? Does Hashem create everything for His kavod? Or does Hashem not need our kavod? Those are the basic introductory questions. So let's start by trying to understand the nature of kavod. When do you give someone kavod? When is someone worthy of your kavod? Think about your life. Who do you respect? Who do you give honor to? Who are your role models? The answer is very simple. You give a kavod to someone who you recognize and acknowledge their greatness. All of your role models are people who you look up to and say, I believe that you have done greatness. I accept and acknowledge you as a person, and I think that you have accomplished extraordinary things. You give respect and honor to someone that you believe in, that you approve of, that you look up to. And that's a very deep idea, that if you become self-aware of the people that you give honor to, that you give cover to, they're people that you approve of, that you acknowledge their greatness. So it might be their Torah knowledge, their Torah wisdom, it might be their midos, whatever it is, whatever they have accomplished that you have acknowledged, that is the cover that you give to them. It's the acknowledgement of greatness, the acknowledgement of something extraordinary that stems from that person. But there's a much deeper understanding of kavod. And that's not what you give kavod to, but now we have to switch perspectives and think about the person who you're giving kavod to. What does it mean, a person's kavod? Now, remember, we said that your kavod, the kavod that you're giving to him, the respect and honor you're giving to him, is based on how you perceive the person. But now this is a very deep concept. A person's own kavod means the limited gilui of the inner essence expressed outwards through a medium. Now let's try to break that down. Remember we established that you are a neshama and you have a body. Now a person can never see you. They can never see the neshama. You can not, I can't look at your neshama. I can only look at your body. I can never see or hear your thoughts. I can only hear your words and see your actions. So all I'm ever going to be exposed to you is based on how you reveal yourself to me. So I'll never know you yourself. I'll only know you based on how you reveal yourself to me. Based on the words you say, based on the actions you do, based on your facial expressions, your body language. Everything that you reveal to me about yourself is how I will come to know you. So when I give you kavod, I'm only able to acknowledge that part of you which I have been exposed to. But there's so much of you that I've never seen. So for example, let's say I'm your Talmud, and you're my Rebbe. So I'm going to give cover to you, but the cover I'm going to give to you is only based on the amount that I've been exposed to you. So let's say I've heard your Shirim. So I'm extremely in awe when it comes to your wisdom. But I've never seen the way that you deal with your family, or the way you deal with your friends, or how you live your private life. So I have a very limited exposure to you. But let's say I get that. Let's say I am able to be Meshamishu. I'm able to build a deep 
personal relationship with you. So I'm able to see you how you live your personal life. But still, there's so much of you that I'm not going to be exposed to. You're in your mind based on who you really are. All I'm ever able to know about you is based on how you reveal yourself to me. So that's why the fundamental concept when it comes to kavod is that kavod is by definition limited. Meaning that I can never fully reveal myself to you. You'll never know me myself. You'll never know who I really am. That's me. You'll never know who I really am. You'll only know kivodi. You'll only know how I reveal myself to you. And therefore, I can never fully express myself through my body to you. I can only partially express myself. And therefore, kavod is limited to that which you experience from what I choose to reveal to you. That is the fundamental concept of kavod. That when it comes to giving kavod, you can only give kavod to that which you are exposed to. And when it comes to expressing kavod, a person's kavod represents the limited expression of self through the medium of his body. Through the medium of the, so to speak, the medium of revelation. And based on what we've been developing before, the purpose of life is to express your higher self. To use your body to express Hashem into the world. Now, it's also just very interesting. A person can go his whole life internally being great, but never exposing that greatness to someone else. Meaning that internally you can be a huge Tamil Chacham, but you can never give that over to someone else, never express that. So there's two steps in life. There's building your inner self, and then there's expressing that outwards and giving that to another. Whether it's teaching, helping, educating, any aspect of a revelation of inner self outwards is a revelation of kavod. It's limited in that you can never fully express yourself, but that expression will only be based on what you actually are inside. If you build an internal tamil chacham, you can express a tamil chacham, but if there's nothing internal there, there can never be an outer revelation of something profound. Now let's take a step back and try to understand one of the most interesting phenomena when it comes to people. People yearn for kavod. They yearn to be recognized, acknowledged, respected. They want to be famous. They want everyone to love them. They want people to like them. They want to be part of something. They want to be accepted by everyone. Why is it that we yearn for this? Why is this such a fundamental component of human nature? Why is it that people yearn for kavod? So while this obviously requires a discussion in itself, I think we can at least begin to approach this issue as follows. People yearn to feel important. They want to be recognized, they want to be acknowledged, they want to feel great. Because they want to feel extraordinary. They want to feel powerful. I mean, if you take a step back just to think about it, we're all isolated in our own world. We're all stuck in our own body with our own thoughts. And we're small, and we want to feel important. We're, we're the only person in our own world, at least that's how it starts. And the inappropriate use of that is to want to be better than everyone else, to want to be powerful, to want to be accepted as extraordinary. And therefore we yearn for everyone to think that we're the best, that we're amazing, that we're great. But there's a next step as well, which is that we're all yearning for happiness. And an essential part of happiness is the feeling of belonging, that we're part of something. If you realize, just thinking for a moment, you'll realize that you really are isolated in your own experience. No one else has experienced your life. No one else has experienced your thoughts. You really are alone. And it's so depressing to be alone. So we yearn to be connected to things outside of ourselves, to people outside of ourselves, to something bigger than ourselves. Just think about it for a moment. 
People wake up in the world and they're unsure about themselves, unsure what to do with their lives. After all, we have a very small amount of time in this world. And what are we supposed to be doing? So people can become very insecure. They think, maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe, you know, I'm not living life correctly. And then we start to care about what other people think about us. Because we convince ourselves that, that that's important. If people accept us, if people think that we're great, that will reinforce ourselves. That will give us confidence. And we must be doing something right. We're in this world for something. So if people accept us then that can give us a sense of security, a sense of, yes, I'm doing something right. So we yearn for this acceptance. We yearn for people to look up to us and say, yes, I approve of that person. We want to have friends that, that love us, that say that you're doing great. And we live in the illusion that if people like us, if people accept us, if we're part of something, then we'll be happy. So what happens is that people get into crowds that aren't very idealistic, that don't stand for something in life, don't stand for high values, but they just want people to like them. They just want to feel accepted. They want to feel part of something. So those are two fundamental concepts. One is that we yearn to feel important. Number two, we yearn to feel accepted and part of something else. So if you remember, we discussed a couple of years ago that every Yetzer, everything in the world, has an appropriate and inappropriate use. That you can use it properly or improperly. For example, electricity. You can use it to electrocute someone. That would be an improper use. You can use it to light up a community. That would be proper. Money. You can use it to hire people to do terrible things. You can also use it to support Torah, to support uh, amazing organizations to do great things with it. Good looks and charisma, you can use it to inspire people to do great things, to learn Torah, or you can use it to corrupt people to do things that are completely inappropriate. Everything can be used properly and improperly. So the drive for greatness can be used properly or improperly. You can use it egotistically, selfishly, that I just want to be great, I want everyone to like me. Or you can use it appropriately. Remember we discussed in the first year that you are created with Zalim Al-Kim. Your purpose is to be great. That's why you're here, but why? Proper greatness is being a reflection of something higher than yourself, being a reflection of Hashem, fulfilling your purpose in the world. Improper greatness is when you disconnect yourself from Hashem or anything higher, and you become a reflection of nothing higher than yourself. Someone egotistical and selfish that just wants to serve his own ego. The same principle is true when it comes to becoming part of something bigger than yourself. The inappropriate use of that drive is just to give in to peer pressure, just to want to be accepted by everyone, no matter what values those people stand for, just to want to be part of a group. So you do things which stand against everything you believe in, everything you know is true, just so you can be part of a group, just so people will accept you. But the appropriate use of this drive is to become part of something bigger than yourself, to become part of Kleinstrow, to devote your life to something greater than yourself, to expand beyond your isolated self, to become part of Kleinstrow. That is the ultimate use of the drive of expanding beyond yourself, getting out of isolation, and becoming part of Kleinstrow. Now, we don't have time to really develop this today, and we're going to give this year hopefully in a couple months, but the most important and fundamental step of getting outside yourself, the first step of expanding beyond your isolated self, is marriage. Marriage is when you melt into a one with something beyond yourself, where you give yourself completely and become part of someone else, where two melt into one. And that's the ability to expand beyond yourself. 
It's one of the deepest gifts Hashem gave us to know what it means to become part of something bigger than just yourself. Now just to explain on what we began to discuss just a couple minutes ago, you can tell a lot about a person based on his friends, based on the people that he spends time with, based on his environment, his crowd. If a person spends his time with people who don't have values, don't have goals, ideals in life, don't spend their time growing and developing, it shows that that's the person that he identifies himself as. But if a person surrounds himself with like-minded people, people who have values, people who want to grow, want to become part of something bigger than themselves properly, want to devote themselves to Hashem, that also says a lot about you. It says that that's the person you want to be. Because the people you surround yourself tends to be the type of person that you want to become. Now let's go back to our discussion of Kavod. When someone receives real Kavod, it's because he has devoted his life to greatness and his expression represents that greatness. And people see him and they say, wow, that person is amazing, he's extraordinary. And they are inspired and they look up to him. Fake Kavod is someone who wants Kavod. Someone who wants people to respect him, wants people to look up to him, wants people to say, wow, that person is amazing. Now, we're going to try to really understand this on a deep level. Because... The first step of Kavod is to realize that Kavod can only come from someone outside of yourself. You can't give yourself Kavod. Someone who walks around saying, Oh wow, I'm amazing, look at me, I'm amazing. That guy has problems. That's not Kavod, that's just ego. That's complete selfishness and it's fake. It's really just sad. But there are ways of getting Kavod outside of yourself, having other people give you Kavod, that are also fake. So for example... Let's say someone hires someone to compliment him. So you have, let's say, a really rich, powerful person that hires people, and the people that are hired know that their job is just to say, Oh, wow, you're amazing. You're so good. Oh, everything you do is great. It's fake. The person who's giving kavod knows that it's fake, knows that he's not really respecting the person he's saying compliments to. And the person who's getting kavod also knows it's fake. He knows the person's only giving him compliments because he's paying him. Well, let's say you have a monarch or a king or a powerful leader who governs by fear. So everyone has to say, oh, wow, you're amazing. You're the best. But only because they know if they don't say that, they're going to get their head chopped off. It's not because they really feel it. So these are ways to get fake covered. Now, if someone, let's say, pays for his name to be on a building just because he wants people to respect him and honor him, that's not real covered. That's not real covered. You can also uh, donate a building anonymously, and whenever someone walks by, you'll say, oh, you know, I, I donated that building anonymously. Kind of defeating the purpose. But you can tell a lot about a person based on why he does what he does. When people want to get covered, they just want you to give them covered. It's not real. It's fake. When they do it for the right reasons, when they're really sincere, when they really want to do it because it's the MS, because this is what they're supposed to be doing, this is why they're here, this is who they are, someone with integrity, that's a person that gets covered. But that's also a person that doesn't want covered. He does it because it's the MS, not because he wants people to say, wow, that person's amazing, simply because he wants to do what he's supposed to do, he wants to live the truth. He wants to fulfill his purpose in life. Now let's try to understand the Mishnah Avos that says that one who wants Kavod will never get Kavod. Only one who runs away from Kavod will get Kavod. Why is that? So there's two ways of approaching this. 
There's a practical approach and there's a more fundamental approach. The practical approach is that a person who wants covered won't get covered because people will see through him. They'll say that this person is nasty, it's disgusting, who wants covered? That's so low, they're so selfish. And therefore, even if a person becomes extraordinary, even if a person becomes great, does great things, still people will see through it and say, I am not going to give you covered because you want it. Sure, you've done amazing things with your life, but I'm not going to recognize that as greatness because it's disgusting that all you want is for me to respect you. And therefore, they'll see through the facade, they'll see through the illusion, and they just won't give kavod. But I think there's a more fundamental answer. And it's not that a person can become great, but despite the fact that he became great, people will see through it and not want to give him kavod. But rather, the very fact that he wants kavod will prevent him from becoming great. And therefore, because of that, he fundamentally won't be able to get covered because he won't actually do anything worthy of getting covered. Now, why is that? This is based off the ideas we discussed in Shir number 7, which is that someone who just wants people to think he's great, just wants to get respect and acknowledgement from others, won't actually strive for greatness. Because he doesn't want to become great. He just wants to become the person that people think is great. Thus, he'll never truly become great. He'll never truly become a person who's really worthy of cover. He'll just try to put on this external facade. Kind of like we explained last year, the ace of. The person just wants to be externally something, but doesn't want to make it internal. The fact that it's not real, that he doesn't really want to strive for greatness. He doesn't want to fulfill his purpose in life. He just wants people to think that he's great that itself will make it impossible for him to really become great. And therefore, people will see through it. They'll see it's just a show. They'll see that he's not internally great. Only someone who's really Yashar, who really lives a life of truth, a life of MS, a life of growth and purpose, and devotes his life to Hashem, that person, people will see that, and they'll be attracted to it, and that person will get covered. Thus, those who want covered will never get covered. The ego, the selfishness, the fakeness, the illusion, the facade they're trying to put on, people will see through that and they'll never give that person kavod. But someone who runs away from kavod, who doesn't want kavod, doesn't care what people think, he's going to stand for the truth no matter what. He's going to live a life of MS no matter what. He's going to grow and develop and become the person he's meant to be no matter what. That person gets kavod because people see the MS, they see the greatness, they see the truth in his life. And they acknowledge that as greatness. But someone who wants it, the very fact that he wants it, makes it impossible for people to give him kavod. If you want to see this expressed beautifully in a nice story, a person once came to the Chazanish and said, I've been running away from kavod my entire life, and still no one's given me kavod. So the Chazanish smiled at him and said, Yeah, that's because you've been looking over your shoulder the whole time. If it's not real, if you're trying to put on a show because you just want to get covered, you're running away from covered, quote-unquote, but you just want covered, you're never going to get it. People will see through that it's not real, it's not genuine, it's not yashar. But a person who really just doesn't care about covered, because what he wants in life is to become the best person he can be, to live his purpose, to devote his life to Hashem, to Klai Yisrael, to something greater than himself, to reflect his Selim Elohim, but to reflect Hashem. That person gets covered. So what we've established so far is that when you give someone covered, you are acknowledging their expression to you. You are acknowledging the greatness that you see in them. 
But the expression of your kavod is when you express yourself to other people. When, even though no one else can know you yourself, no one else can see your thoughts, no one else can know who you really are, they can see how you choose to express yourself through your body, through the words you say, through the actions you do, based on your facial expression, based on your body language, all the ways that you express yourself outwards, that's your kavod. That's how you become expressed and made known to those outside of yourself. It's how people can actually come to know you. So now we can understand what it means when we say Hashem's kavod. What does it mean that Hashem expresses himself through his kavod? The Ramchal explains in Das Tunos that the same way that we express ourselves through our body, that we make ourselves known to others through our body, that no one can know us ourselves, but they can know how we express ourselves to them, so too, no one can know Hashem himself. No one can know Hashem Atmo, Hashem himself. But we can know Hashem based on how he expresses himself to us, based on how he makes himself known to us through the Torah, through the world, through everything that happens in the world. So we can't know Hashem Atzmo, but we can know Hashem Kivodo. We can know how Hashem expresses Himself to us through His Kavod. Meaning, all the concepts of reality, all Chachma and wisdom, all morality, the Torah, all Halacha, all wisdom in the world, the entire world, everything of creation, is how Hashem made Himself known. That's why the created world is Hashem's kavod. Every aspect of reality that Hashem has made is an expression of Himself. Thus, by coming to know reality, we come to know Hashem. Now we can finally understand why hakol barelechvodo, that everything in the world was created for Hashem's kavod. What does that mean? In our question, we said that this seems so selfish. Why would Hashem create everything so that we give Him kavod, so that we give Him honor? But now we can understand this on a much deeper level. Because as we established in Shir number 2, the purpose of the world is to become perfect, to become godly. Hashem created us in this world imperfect so that we can choose to become perfect. We can choose to become godly. So Hashem is all-knowing, He's all-kind, all-loving, has complete self-control. But we have to choose to become all-knowing, to learn Chachma, to become kind, to become loving, to gain self-control. Now, the purpose of life is to become godly, but how do we become godly? The answer is by coming to know what it means to be godly, by coming to know Hashem. We can only become like Hashem by knowing Hashem. So Hashem created a world which is an expression of His kavod, an expression of Himself. By coming to know Hashem, thus we come to live and become like Hashem. So the Torah is an expression of Hashem's kavod, all chachma, all wisdom. Morality, everything in the world that is great is an expression of Hashem's kavod. Everything in the world is an expression of Hashem's kavod. And this is the important principle. In order to live the truth, to live a life of greatness, you have to acknowledge the truth. In order to live a life of avodas Hashem, you have to acknowledge the truth. You have to acknowledge Hashem. So giving kavod to Hashem means acknowledging the truth, acknowledging Hashem, acknowledging the greatness of reality, acknowledging our purpose. And once you give kavod to Hashem, once you acknowledge Hashem, then you can live avodas Hashem. Therefore, Hashem doesn't need our kavod, as the Ramchal explains in Mesil Hashem. Our kavod does nothing for Hashem, because Hashem is perfect, He doesn't need our kavod. He expresses Himself for us. 
Hashem's confidence is really for us so that we can come to know Him, so we can come to grow and become perfect. But now we can take a fundamental next step. Why is Hashem's Malchus so fundamentally connected to His Kavod? Why do we always say, that we connect Hashem's Kavod to His Malchus? We always do that. Why? Because as we established, Malchus, Hashem's Malchus, when Hashem is a Melech, it means that everything that happens in this world, everything that is in this world, is an expression of Hashem. That Hashem is intimately connected with this world. And Hashem guides all the events and everything that happens in the world. Remember we explained last year that Esav and Amalek represent trying to disconnect Hashem from the world. They try to battle against Hashem's Malchus. They see Hashem is not a Melech. Hashem is disconnected from the world. The higher is not connected to the lower. And that's the beautiful idea that the Vilna Gaon explains that Melech represents a Moach Lev Kaved. That the higher is connected to the lower. That brain, the Moach, is connected to the Lev, the emotions, the middle, which is connected to the Kaved, the liver, the lowest, the most physical of the organs. It's where the blood is, it's the heaviest of the organs, Kaveh means heavy. That's why the higher is connected to the lower. Hashem, completely perfect, completely beyond, transcendent, is connected to the world. He's also imminent. He's also part of the world. But if you notice something fascinating, what was the last word? Moach Lev, what's the last one? Kaveh. That the thoughts, the highest, is finally expressed through the Lev, through the emotions, and finally what? Through the Kaveh. But Kaveh is also what? Kavod. That the expression of the Moach, the expression of the higher, is through Kavod. And the expression of Malchus is through Hashem's Kavod. So here's the most important step. When you acknowledge that Hashem is the Melech, meaning that everything in the world, everything that happens in the world, is an expression of Hashem, that Hashem is very much connected to this world, and you realize that the physical is an expression of the spiritual, that the entire physical world and everything else of creation is an expression of Hashem, then you can finally be connected to Hashem's Kavod. Meaning you realize that Hashem, everything is an expression of Hashem, that the world is the Kavod of Hashem. And then you can come to know Hashem, then you can become connected to Hashem. So Malchus is very much connected to Kavod. Because once you realize that Hashem is the Melech, then everything in the world becomes an expression of Hashem's Kavod. And the two are very, very much connected and interlinked. So that's the deep idea of Kavod, the outer expression of what's deep within. The physical as an expression of the spiritual would be Kavod. For example, when the body reflects the Neshama, when the body expresses the depth of the Neshama outside, that would be the Kavod of the Neshama. You can't know the Neshama, but you could know the Neshama based on how it's expressed through that physical medium. So based on all the ideas we've been developing so far through the past couple of Shirim, the goal of the body is to express the kavod of the neshama. But now let's try to take it a step further. What we've been establishing so far is that kavod represents, so to speak, the expression of the self through the body. But a deeper understanding of kavod is that it's the perfect balance. That it's not expressing too much, but it's not expressing too little. If you remember, we established in Shear number 5 that there's always a three-step process in life. There's the initial expression outwards, that's chesed. There's the restraining and restricting, that's gevura, that's din. And then there's the perfect balance, that's tiferes. So for example, too much rain, that would be too much chesed, that would be a mabel. Too little rain, that would be too much gevura, that would be a famine. The perfect balance, that would be tiferes. 
And we also explain that that's connected Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. That Avram represents the initial outflow, the root, the, the infinite potential, that's chesed. That Yitzchak represents Gevura, then limiting that potential, making it real, repeating everything Avraham did, redigging the wells, re-going down to Mitzrayim, that's Din, that's Gevura. That restraint, that self-control, that's the Akedas Yitzchak. He bound himself up, self-control. And Yaakov represents Tiferes, that perfect balance of the two. Now the same principle applies to Kavod, to expressing yourself outwards. Too much expression is overwhelming. That's too much. That's too much chesed. That's, that's not appropriate. Too little expression of self, that's gavura, that's din, that's also not appropriate. The ideal is the perfect balance. So for example, a person who has too much expression of self is just completely trying to express himself outwards. Always trying to express himself. That's not appropriate. It's overwhelming. And it can also be a problem of ego. But too little self-expression is also not appropriate. So, for example, let's say someone is a tremendous Talmud Chacham, but he never tells someone his Torah. He never teaches. He never expresses himself outwards. That's false anava. That's inappropriate. That's no kavod. That's no expression of the self. So, for example, Hashem doesn't fully express himself to us. We can't fully know Hashem, but he does express himself to us. We could come to know Hashem. We don't have time to fully go into this now, but if you remember the story of David and Michal, that David came back with the Aaron Kodesh and he was dancing. And anyone who knows anything about dancing knows that it's an extremely expressive form of art. That when you dance, you're fully expressing your emotions, fully expressing yourself. And Michal got very upset at him and said that you're Echad Min Harekim, that you fully express yourself. She thought that David fully expressed himself outwards. And she thought it was inappropriate for a Melech to express himself so fully that it wasn't proper kavod for a melech. And David responded so beautifully that for Hashem I would fully express myself. And furthermore, I haven't even begun to fully express myself. So we don't have time to really delve into this now. We'll hopefully talk about this a little later when we talk about the sheer of silence and the inability to fully express the self. But the main principle is as follows. You shouldn't express too much, but you also shouldn't keep too much back. You have to have that perfect balance. So, for example, let's say someone asks you a very deep question. If you don't answer at all, then it could either mean that you don't know it, or it could mean that you do know and you're not telling them the answer, which is an act of cruelty. So withholding information or not knowing it is no covered at all. It's terrible. But if you answer and you keep on giving extra information, you keep on talking, you're going to overwhelm the listener. If you say everything you know about the topic, and that's it, then you're showing that's all you know. You're saying that there's a limit to what you know. So the ideal is that perfect balance, where you answer the question as well as possible, but nothing more. Where you don't keep on going, and keep on going, keep on going. There are people that when they answer a question, they just never stop. They just keep on talking. And then there are people that don't answer the question properly. That either don't know the answer, or they do know the answer, but they either don't answer you at all, or they don't answer properly. But the ideal is that perfect balance. To answer the question, but not to say everything you know. Not to overwhelm the listener. But to tell them what they need to know. So Kavod represents that perfect balance. Not too much, not too little. Tiferes. And the same is true when it comes to giving Kavod. So far we discussed expressing your Kavod. Now we're going to talk about giving Kavod. The same is true here. 
So let's talk about the relationship you have with Hashem, with a Rebbe, with a person of extreme greatness, someone that you long to be close to, you long to give kavod, to acknowledge, to respect, to become connected to. So what's the balance there? On the one hand, you want to become really close with the person. You want to have extreme ahava, love. You want to become one with the person. You want to become connected to him. So you're going to try to really give a tremendous amount of love. On the other hand, the person is extraordinary. He is great. And you have to have a sense of awe, a sense of yira, that, whoa, I have to keep my distance. I can't become so close with this person. So, for example, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, or your Rebbe. On the one hand, this person is the source of your Chachamah. You love this person. You have an overwhelming sense of Ava. On the other hand, this person is your Rebbe. He's not your buddy. He's not your friend. You don't give him a high five. You don't say, hey, how you doing? You have a tremendous amount of Yira, of trepidation. You distance. You say, wow, I have to really respect this person. Not only do I have Ava, but I also have Yira. Not a fear. I'm not scared he's going to hurt me. A year of awe. A tremendous sensation of, wow, this person is amazing. And it makes you take a step back also. So, for example, Hashem. You have that tremendous avil for Hashem. You love Hashem. He's the source of you, of everything in your life. On the other hand, you should be awestruck. You should be completely overwhelmed when you think about Hashem's greatness. If you want a mashal, imagine you're standing in front of the house of a person who has extreme power. He's an extremely powerful person, maybe the most powerful person in the entire world. And if things go well when you meet with him, you're going to be set for life. He can do anything. But he's so great. And at the same time, you feel so unworthy of talking to such a tremendously great person. Those are the paradoxical, simultaneous feelings that you have when you meet with this person. You're overwhelmingly excited. Your life could be changed forever. On the other hand, you're overwhelmed with awe. This person is so amazing. Do I even deserve to talk with this person? And you're going to be so awestruck when you meet this person. You have the same balance with kibud avaim. Kavod, kibud avaim. There are two aspects of kavod. On the one hand, there are halachos of yira, of awe, of respect. You can't speak in front of them. You can't sit in their chair. You have to have a recognition of yira. On the other hand, there are halachos of ahava of caring, of loving them. You stand when they walk in, you feed them and dress them, you take care of their needs. There's a sense of ava, of love, of I really care about these people. They're amazing. So you have this balance when it comes to kavod of ava and yira. But they're a balance of extremes. You don't want to be too much on the right, you don't want to be too much on the left. You have to have that perfect balance. Now we can bring a beautiful proof to this idea from the Rambam. The Raman discusses in Hilchas Yisodei HaTorah, in Perak Beis, in the very beginning, that there's a mitzvah of Ahava and Yiras Hashem. That you're supposed to love Hashem and you're supposed to be in awe of Hashem. But how does he describe the mitzvah? He says, Hakel HaNichbad v'hanora hazeh mitzvah Now there's a couple obvious questions with, on this Rambam. Number one, why did the Rama put the mitzvah of Ahava and Yira together? They're two mitzvahs. The Rama never puts two mitzvahs in the same halacha. So why does he put the mitzvah of Ahava and Yira in the same halacha? But number two, why does he describe the mitzvah of Ahava and Yira? He describes Hashem as Hanichbad v'Hanora. Number one, why these two? Why Hanichbad v'Hanora? And also, why put the two together? What do these two have to do with each other? 
So the simple answer is to break everything in half. To say that when it comes to Avas Hashem, you have Kavod. When it comes to Yiras Hashem, you have Nora. And therefore, when describing Hadab Ava, therefore he's referring to Kavod. When he's referring to Yira, he's referring to Nora. But the much deeper understanding is based on what we've been developing for the past couple minutes. That Kavod is the balance of both of these sides bonded together. That it's the balance of extremes. That Kavod means the balance of Ava and Yira. It means a mixture of Ava and Yira. And therefore, when referring to the midst of Ava and Yira, he's referring to Hakel HaNichbad, to the Kavod of Hashem. And that's why he puts the midst of Ava and Yira in the same halacha, because they're connected. You can't have Ava without Yira, you can't have Yira without Ava. You need both. You need a balance of both. And Kavod represents that balance. And if you want to take it a step further, why is the Rambam put the word Nora there? What does Nora have to do with this? Nora also represents that balance. Nora also represents Kavod. How do we know? Because Nora represents Tiferes. Nora represents Yaakov. Remember, we said that Avram is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gvura, and Yaakov is Tiferes. Now, we established that Kavod also represents Tiferes, but if you want to take this step further, Nora also represents Tiferes. How do you know? In the first bracha of Shmonastri, what do we say? Hakel Hagadol Hagibor Vahanara. That represents this dichotomy, these three stages. That Godol always represents Avram, always represents Chesed, as the Maral explains. Godol represents greatness, this original Alpha, that's Chesed. Gibor represents Gevura, that's Din, that's Yitzchak. And Nora represents Yaakov, Tiferes. So, Hakel HaGadol HaGibor Vahanara represents the God of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. But if you want to really understand why Yaakov represents Norah, the Torah itself connects Yaakov and Norah. Why? Because what does Yaakov say when he wakes up from the dream? When he wakes up from the dream of the Malachim coming up and down from the ladder, he says, Ma Norah. Ma Norah. Because Yaakov represents Norah, this balance of Avanira, of being in awe, but at the same time loving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that was his response when he woke up from the dream. And if you don't understand the depth of that word, and why he said it at that specific time, where was Yaakov sleeping? The Makam HaMikdash. But more importantly, the Makam of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And what's located in the Kodesh HaKadoshim? The Aron HaKodesh. And what is the word Nora spelled backwards? Aaron. But now let's go back to the Rambam and try to take it a step even further. Why does the Rambam, in the very next halacha, describe how to have Avas and Yiras Hashem? He never does this. He never does this. He never says, this is the mitzvah of Lulav, and this is how you shake the Lulav. So why does he say now that there's a mitzvah of Avas and Yiras Hashem, and the way how to have Avas and Yiras Hashem is to contemplate Hashem? To contemplate the wonders of reality, the wonders of creation, the wisdom of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and to be overwhelmed with the awesomeness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why is that how? Why is he telling us how? So the deep answer is as follows. He's trying to solve the paradox of how to properly perform what seems to be contradictory mitzvos in a balanced way at the same time. How do you have Avas Hashem, to love Hashem, at the same time to be in awe of Hashem? How are you able to have simultaneous feelings and emotions at the same time? And the answer is a single balanced principle which encompasses both. 
contemplating the wisdom and depth and awesomeness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In that sense, you're able to have Ava, wow, and at the same time, Yira, wow. It's the paradoxical oneness of these two Midos. It's where Chesed and Gvura becomes Tiferes. It's where Chesed and Gvura becomes Kavod, becomes Nora, where the extreme opposites melt into a balanced oneness. And that's the deep way to experience your relationship with Hashem. That, wow, Hashem is amazing beyond transcendent, and wow, He's imminent, He's part of my life. That, wow, Hashem is amazing, I love Him, that, wow, He's amazing, I'm, I'm in awe, I need to take a step back. The paradox is where we live, the balance of opposites. So giving cover to Hashem is recognizing Hashem's oneness, His awesomeness, that He's beyond, and at the same time, He's part of your life. He has revealed himself to you, and that there is a personal relationship that you can have with him. But now we need to take one last step, and to realize the difference between Hashem's kavod and our kavod. The difference between Hashem's kavod and our kavod is as follows. Hashem reveals himself to us. Hashem is perfect. So his kavod is a revelation of his perfection. So Hashem is perfect, and his kavod is an expression of what he is. But we aren't perfect. We are a becoming perfect. So while Hashem's kavod is a revelation of what He is, our kavod is a revelation of what we have become. Meaning that our kavod is an expression of what we've earned, what we've developed. Our kavod is an expression of our developing greatness. When you see someone, it's what he's become, not what he is. So while Hashem's kavod is an expression of who He is, our kavod is an expression of what we are becoming. And our job in life is to become. To become great. To develop ourselves. To devote ourselves to greatness. To give the kavod Hashem. To recognize and acknowledge the truth. And then to become the truth. To become godly. To become perfect. Our mission in life is to express HaKadosh Baruch Hu into the world. To become a reflection of Hashem and live it. To not only to learn the truth, but to live it. To perform the mitzvahs with love and yira. To live that balanced life, where you realize that everything in the world is an expression of Hashem, is the covenant of Hashem, and then you become that. You don't only acknowledge wisdom, acknowledge the Chachma of Hashem, but you become Chachma. So Hashem is all-knowing, He is wise, He is all-kind, He is loving, He has complete self-control. But we are becoming all-knowing, we are becoming kind, we are becoming loving. We are becoming in complete self-control. So we are a work in progress, and we know that. But our job in life is to become as great as possible and express that into the world, but not because we want kavod, but because this is our purpose. We are a reflection of something greater than ourselves. We want to become something greater than ourselves. We want to become part of Klai Yisrael. We want to become a reflection of Hashem, but for the right reasons. A great person doesn't want covered. He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't want recognition. He wants to do what's right. He wants to become what he's meant to become. He wants to fulfill his potential. And that's our job in life. So in the next year, we're going to try to take this a step further and try to understand the deep connection between covered and mockery and why mockery is the breakdown of covered.